Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Um, let's get the public service announcements out of the way. Um, we didn't plan it this way, <laughs> but the lazy summer of podcasting is done. Yeah, um, and I think there was a little blowback on that idea. So uh, we'll explain this in more detail, but like you may have noticed that we haven't had an episode out for a little over a week, probably by the time you're listening to this, about a week longer than you would expect. Mm-hmm. And I think that was our our response to the fact that suddenly we have all this stuff to do. <laughs> so we're just like, you know what? Well, Screw yeah. it. We're not going to do an episode this week then. Yeah. Well, okay. So to be fair, we were prepared, and I think we tried doing this on, was it Tuesday night? Like five days ago? Yeah. Which would have made the episode like a day late. Um, but technology thwarted us, as it has done numerous times over the last um, five plus years. And uh, we were unable to do that. So then we kind of took almost took a stab at it the second night, same technology problem. And then we were like, you know what? Screw this. <laughs> we're going to kill it for the week. Yeah. We're going to kill it for the week. But um, you have a book review this week. You will have something resembling a book review next week, yep. followed by probably something else that resembles a book review the following week. So really, we're kind of done with Lazy Summer Podcasting. And in true book <laughs> fashion, we are completely overworking ourselves now. <laughs> yeah, because we're... we're yeah. Yeah, it's like we do three – really, here's what the the lazy summer was. We did a couple episodes of interviews, three interludes, and then all of a sudden we have to do a massive amount of reading and a massive amount, massive amount of preparation for having people on the podcast. And I'm going to be a little vague. We might reveal some of this stuff later on, but right now, suddenly we just have so much work to do and so much scheduling and things to do that there's no lazy left in this summer. We're back in business. We are, and we're kicking it off with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which is the eighth. Um, it's going to be weird to talk about this. I don't even know if it's like <laughs> the eighth book. It's kind of, I don't know, we'll get into it. But here is the synopsis from uh, from Amazon, Rob. Yeah. Okay. From Amazon. The eighth story, 19 years later, based on an original new story by J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne and John Tiffany, a new play by J- what the hell? Okay, so all right, I don't know. What this. All right, uh, so it's based on one, two, three, and then it's a new play by one. One of the guys is named from this one, okay, is all right, the eighth okay, all right. We're gonna we're gonna leave all this in, but I'm gonna go ahead and try to read it now that I kind of have a better grasp of what's happening here. Based on an original news story by J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne, and John Tiffany, a new play by Jack Thorne, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is the eighth story in the Harry Potter series and the first official Harry Potter story to be presented on stage. The play will receive its world premiere in London's West End on July 30th, 2016, which uh, has come and gone. It was always difficult being Harry Potter, and it isn't much easier now that he is an overworked employee of the Ministry of Magic, a husband and father of three school-age children. While Harry grapples with a past that refuses to stay where it belongs, his youngest son, Albus, must struggle with the weight of a family legacy he never wanted. As past and present fuse ominously, both father and son learn the uncomfortable truth. Sometimes darkness comes from unexpected places. Very good. All right. Very oh, can good. I do the first author bio? This is what happened. <laughs> Rob's looking up author bios, and he goes, holy crap. Um, this author bio is just going to say it's J.K. fucking Rowling. So, yeah, <laughs> if you don't know who that is, Google some stuff. 
And then Rob is going to deliver the bios for the other two characters involved in this uh, in this shenanigans that we read. That's right. So we got Jack Thorne. Jack Thorne writes for theater, film, television, and radio. His theater credits include Hope and Let the Right One In. Hey, there you go, Livius. Among many others. Film credits include War Book and The Scouting Book for Boys. And for TV, the BAFTA award-winning Don't Take My Baby, The Fades, and This Is England series. He is adapting Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials trilogy for the BBC. I don't recognize anything except for that one title. <laughs> Let the right one in. Yeah. And here's the other one. John Tiffany has won multiple awards for his directing work, both in the West End, West End and on Broadway. His work includes Once, The Glass Menagerie, Macbeth, The Bouquet, Let the Right One In, and Black Watch. He is associate director of the Royal Court. That sounds like royalty. The Royal Court? Yeah, a little bit. And was associate director of the National Theatre of Scotland from 2005 to 2012. There you go. Once Dude. was that uh, big music, that one band, right? Oh, no yeah. idea. But I was excited because... Um, you know, I don't know a lot about the classics and stuff. I thought it was Shakespeare that did Macbeth, but apparently it was this, this guy. John Tiffany guy. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. I know Macbeth. That's awesome. But there I thought that's been around for like 70 or 80 years. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Something like that. Maybe he's adapting. Uh, once was, uh, there's that musician, his name's like Glenn Hansard or something like that, that used to do busking. And then, like, you know, made it big. Do you know what, do you know what I'm talking about? I have no, like, nothing that you have said about this rings a bell at all. I have no idea what any of that is. Do you know what busking is? No. All right. Uh, have you ever seen, like, at the airport or someplace like that where the people just have their, like, guitar set up and they're singing for money? Yeah. Those yeah, it's, hippies. Yeah. Yeah, that's called busking. That's okay. <sighs> <laughs> all right. So, anyway. I was just, I'm, 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 I'm trying to emphasize the fact that I've, uh, I've at least seen the movie once. I know that it was also a play, or a theatrical presentation of some sort. Probably a musical because it's about a band. But anyway, you think? I was trying <laughs> it's got to. One would hope. Yeah, trying to show that I know know some things. You, you do because I do. Not, none of that meant anything to me. Yeah, date a hippie for a while. You'll learn some stuff. Busking. 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 Got it. So, yeah, I um, here's what we have. We have, um, well, we'll talk a little later about some of my feelings on this. We have a play um, that was basically put into book form um, so that everybody could read the story. And it is presented um, probably not exactly as the script for the play because there's not a lot of like enter stage left. I, I should say there's none of that, but there's very brief descriptions of they're in this place and it's kind of dark and then it's all dialogue. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. I mean, that's what a script is. It's uh, dialogue and action. Um, action descriptions are probably a little bit more elaborate than you would usually see in just a normal script. And I think that's what you're trying to say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a straight up script. So it reads kind of fast because you don't have all that like it colorful like paragraph after paragraph of you know prose. It's pretty much just action and, and talking. And it's fucking so, Harry Potter and shit. It is. It's Harry Potter and shit, man. That's really. <laughs> but that's that's what the blurb said on the front of the book. It's Harry Potter and shit, man. Rob Olson. Says what under the... <laughs> yeah, actually, it does. Right there. There's actually yeah. nothing on the back of the book. But anyway. Uh, so, do you mind if I? No, no, please do. 
For any Harry Potter enthusiasts, I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you're just either into the podcast or hopefully you've at least read some of the books or seen the movies or something. But for anybody who has gotten through the entire original um, seven books or eight movies, this Cursed Child book picks up essentially where the last book slash last movie left off, which was um, it looked 19 years into the future to when Harry was an adult and they were dropping their kids off at um, platform nine and and three quarters to go off to Hogwarts. Well, see, that's interesting that you say that because having not read one paragraph of Harry Potter or seen any of the movies, um, I did not know that. So one of the thoughts I was actually going to maybe ask you is kind of what you thought about this, you know, future and he's got kids kind of thing. But apparently it doesn't matter because that's canon. It was in like they have the three kids, right? And he's dropping them yep. off. So it picks up. So um, I will give him credit for picking up right where the other ones left off. That's cool. Interesting thing about this is like the way that the the that it was kind of the epilogue of of the book and the movie. Um, it was such a, a happy note to end things on because it's basically like the happy, happily ever after um, that everybody settles down and has kids and now the kids are picking up on the legacy. But this fucking book starts so dark, right? It does not start happy at all. No, so let me let me do let me do what I can for this basically. So I'm gonna. <laughs> so yeah, we pick up on this platform. The name of the platform, Rob? Nine and three quarters. Nine and three quarters. And uh, Albus, um, the youngest, um, or Harry Potter's youngest son, is uh, is going to be going to. Is it his youngest son? No, it's his oldest son. Uh, I think it's the youngest one. Okay. All right. So the youngest. Son is, I read this like weeks ago. Now it feels like. <laughs> Livia um, Livia skimmed this so long ago that. Uh... Yeah. Um. So he's well. Here's the whole thing for for you and Albus is a new character clearly, and and so are a lot of the other ones. But for me, it was even trying to figure out who these people are from like the original. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, Albus is uh, is about to go to Hogwarts, and he's not really that thrilled about it. He is not. Uh, Harry Potter is is a legend, and and he's uh, he's working for the Ministry of Magic, and he's kind of a big wig and it seems like albus is a little bit tired of the harry potter shadow and the expectations placed on him so but he's uh he's heading off to, to hogwarts and he's not that thrilled about it and um his companion when they're leaving when they're getting on to the hogwarts express i'm gonna drop the term so you don't have to remember them livius mm-hmm. um is uh rose granger weasley which is the daughter of um ron and hermione and they're cousins because um, Ron is the brother of Harry's wife, Ginny. So Rose and Albus are cousins and they've grown up together and everything like that. And Rose is super concerned about when we get on the train, we got to make sure we choose the right people because they're going to be our lifetime friends because that's what happened to uh, like Harry and Ron and stuff like that with Hermione and Harry and Ron. Which is like kind of I thought that was kind of funny because it's kind of poking fun at the original story, but it also shows how much legacy is impacting the lives of these poor fucking kids. Yeah, and I guess to be fair, like I said, they're kind of living in the shadow of and, and although I'm not even after reading this book really clear about the extent of what the original three kids did for for the world at large, um 
clearly they're all very well known. They're they're historical figures, um, even yeah. 19 years into the future. So, of course, Albus, um, <laughs> he makes friends with a Scorpius Malfoy, who apparently his dad. Um, not one of the most loved characters in the in the original <laughs> seven books. I did gather that. Um, apparently, he seems to. His father is Lucius Malfoy, right? Who I'm guessing was maybe kind of a baddie or something in the first ones, but he has been he's an okay guy now as an adult. Did my did I read that right? Is that I mean he seems to be okay. Oh wait, oh I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about. So Scorpius is the kid. His father is Draco. There you go. That's it. um, Draco. um, Yeah, I think history wasn't kind to to, to Draco when everything happened in the original book. So I think he's kind of like an asshole, but kind of a beaten down asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, He used to be just a straight up asshole, but life kind of dealt him some bad cards. And there's some uh, shame because of his father, Lucius, who was one of... Uh, Voldemort's um, what they're called Death Eaters and he was disgraced because of things he did so the family is just not uh, not doesn't have a good good name at all so I'm guessing this was a new addition here but there is a possibility that Scorpius is not the, the kid <laughs> so I'm guessing yeah. that this this probably can't really go back to the original stories right because Scorpius is you know whatever 13 or, or whatever like Albus's age so being that's 19 years ago there is this fear I'm guessing that was just introduced in, in yes the cursed child right um that he could be the son of like the worst guy ever Voldemort who may have Voldemort who may have traveled in time in time into the future it sounds that way that uh, yeah. that there was the uh, the the rumor is that using time travel, Voldemort um, made a baby, and it's that's Scorpius. That's the rumor. So I, I guess if you're listening to this and you're confused <laughs> by the things we've said, that's exactly how I read this. That confused because when you have no real anchor to know, you know who any of these people are, that's how it comes across. But the general idea is the starting of the book is basically um, here is a new generation of of wizards who are produced from this original generation that was basically so to to talk about the severity like of of or the magnitude of of what Ron and Harry and Hermione did, they basically saved the entire world from Voldemort who wanted to um if you weren't a wizard, you were going to, he was like basically the Hitler of wizards. Like he wanted to kill anybody who wasn't like a pure blood wizard. So he was going to destroy the world and rule it. And Harry, Harry and Hermione and Ron saved them from that. So mm-hmm. he was really big and bad and they saved the world. And now their kids have to go out and live up to that image and, or escape the rumors like Scorpius being the rumor being that he's the son of basically wizard Hitler so <laughs> basically wizard Hitler. <laughs> it's the easiest way to mm-hmm. uh, analogize it but that's so that's like the heaviness of the beginning of the book and then they like jump forward so like this is the weird part that i wasn't expecting in the first like so it's broken up into four parts and part one covers i want to say the first three or four years 
of these new characters going to Hogwarts. So there's not a lot of time spent with all of this stuff, but you just kind of catch up to, oh, they're still existing in this shitty, I hate my life kind of living under the shadow of my parents' existence. Albus gets a, uh, there are groups at Hogwarts. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying I to think, like, how I explain, explain this. this to persons I understand. There are different groups. So <laughs> a little bit like, um, God, I, I watched uh, the Divergence movie. You probably didn't see it, right? No, I did not. Okay, but yeah, so you have to go and, like, declare, like, which group you want to be in. So there, they're kind of, like, selected to be in a group. And, of course, he gets selected to go over with, like, all the slimy, dark, like, wizards, right? Is that... Yeah, so there's four houses that they're sorted into by the sorting hat. There is Gryffindor, which is the brave people. There's uh, Ravenclaw, which is, they don't really ever talk about those guys. There's Hufflepuff, and then there's Slytherin, and Slytherin is the greedy people, like the greedy evil people. So obviously the books mostly focus on Gryffindor and Slytherin. You know, but let's take a step back from, from that and what you just said. Do you think maybe if they got rid of the houses, you wouldn't just prep people to be like shitty people? Like, oh, we're going to put the greedy people in the fight. They give it a terrible name. <laughs> you know, when they're like, here, this is where you're going to be. Yeah. And actually, um, it is addressed in the books, uh, in the original books, how the houses are kind of a bad thing, but they're a legacy because they they're represent the four people that founded the story, uh, the right school. Now. I gotcha. It just, yeah. it seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's a plot device. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, there will be spoiler talk because there's some things that I know Rob wants to talk about and maybe explain to me. Um, so we're going to go a little bit deeper into the story, but clearly we don't want to spoil it. There are, I'm going to go out on a limb and say billions of fans of Harry Potter. So certainly we don't want to reveal too much. Um, yeah. so I don't know how much farther we are going to go. We should probably get to, to the actual catalyst. So, well, can we talk about the sorting a little bit more? Yeah, as, as much as you'd like. Albus gets sorted into Slytherin, which he didn't want. He wanted to go to Gryffindor, because that's where Potters go. Uh, Scorpius very obviously gets sorted into Slytherin. That's where the Malfoys have always been sorted. Rose gets Gryffindor, because she's a, a Granger and a Weasley, and they're all solidly Gryffindor. So, at the very beginning of the first year, Albus is separated from his cousin who he's grown up with and he's put into a house with Scorpius Malfoy who is the Malfoys and the Potters are notoriously uh hating each other but now these two are kind of thrown together and they find out that they're actually good friends. That's a big plot point in in it's, it's a big change from like the history of the Harry Potter books. I was under the impression that um Albus and Rose didn't really get along very well that they kind of put it on for their parents. Right, yeah, very true. Okay, so yeah, so separated from her, I think he was probably okay with that, but I think that, uh, I think part of him didn't want to be, uh, again, I think part of him wanted away from his father's legacy, but definitely not all the way to the kind of dark end, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. Um, So some things happen. (laughs) Um. Well, so Potter and, and the, the Ministry of Magic, um, you know, bust a guy, and he has a time travel device. And uh, Rob can maybe elaborate on this for other people, but another character basically asks that they use the time travel device to go back and save his son, who died in a previous book. Yeah. To dig into that a little deeper, the time travel device is a time turner, which was used in 
book six, I think, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Um, that's when it was introduced as a as an object. Oh, and... this is this is the Cursed Child. Oh, I meant uh, Half Blood Prince. There you go. Half Blood Prince. Thanks for correcting me. Yeah, no, no, pro- I know my Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, toward the beginning, Harry is approached by Amos Diggory, who is uh, the father of Cedric Diggory, who in the fourth book, fourth book, uh, Goblet of Fire, fourth book, um, Cedric Diggory, while they're they're um, competing in the Triwizard Tournament, gets killed by Voldemort, uh, and uh, he wasn't even supposed to be there, but because uh, Harry and Cedric decided that they would win the Triwizard Tournament together, is like a sign of unity, he and Cedric ended up being there when Voldemort was confronting them and just decided to kill him, so Amos wants to convince Harry to use a Time Turner to go back and save Cedric. Which is obviously a terrible idea, but Cedric was played by Robert Pattinson, who was in Twilight. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, so yeah, Harry, it's a terrible idea, and, and um, Amos is turned down. Um, but Albus decides that if he can go back and change all of this, maybe he won't have to live in Harry's shadow so much. Yeah. So Albus and Scorpius um, get a hold of the Time Turner and go back and screw up history. Yeah, and the whole the the whole for you, Livius. What I would say is one the whole process of trying to get in and and uh, steal the Time Turner from the Ministry of Magic. That whole scene or mm-hmm. collection of scenes is very classic Harry Potter, like. They have to do the polyjuice potion to look like the other people, and then all these weird, goofy things happen, mm. and there's danger, but they get they prevail. Very, very classic Harry Potter feel. Gotcha. I, um, you know, I, I had a feeling the way it was written, kind of like I feel about the new Star Wars movie. Like if you really look at it, a lot of it's very similar to the original Star Wars movie. Yeah. You know, you're introducing new characters, but they basically kind of have to go through the same type of thing. Yeah. Um. So I, I did get a little feeling. Um, that that might be the case. And clearly, for me, none of these names meant anything. But I could tell when they used certain terms that I should have already known what they were so that they were, you know, harking right. back to stuff that uh, that somebody who was a fan would uh, would appreciate and be like, oh, you know, I'm really excited because I know what that particular potion is or that particular spell or this particular class that they have to take or whatever i I got the feeling that every single one of them pointed back to important things from the the original set of stories yeah so we've we've gotten to the point where they steal the time turner and then they try to save cedric as a catalyst in all time travel stories, the way it has to go is the time travel has to go terribly wrong and screw things up. So then and you then, have to fix it. <laughs> right, yeah. So then you could spend the second half of the book fixing it. Um, but that's all very classic. I mean, that's, you know, it's not a time travel movie or, or story if that's not what's happening, I guess, basically. Right. So. Um, yeah, I want to read the story where time travel just goes right the first time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or you can read a time travel story where. Um, Nothing's really impacted, right? Or like just, nothing changes. Yeah, yeah that's that, that. could be interesting too. Yeah. Um, so like again, no story-wise, people I kill. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, well, I watched that um, Outlander, the first two seasons of Outlander. Yeah. And really, yeah, not, basically what they were running into is that they couldn't change time no matter how much they tried. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. really it was almost like time travel was a catalyst to have a, well, I say modern, a woman from the 1940s go back 200 years and fall in love with somebody. It has almost no impact on, on the future. <laughs> so a little, little bit weird there, but... Um, yeah, so I think story-wise, I don't know that there's a lot more we should go into. We should probably talk about there's some other characters, and I'll let you talk about them. I'll chime in if I have any <laughs> any particular thoughts. Yeah, I guess it bears mentioning that there are some classic um, characters from the original books that do make an appearance in this, you know, kind of future setting. Um, it actually, it's kind of neat that this book came out, you know, so it would be like these characters as they are today because of the 19 however long between the last book and now but anyway um one is there is an appearance by Dumbledore in a sense but only in as much as um he because he's a former headmaster of Hogwarts there's a portrait of him and Livius I don't know if you know this but like the paintings in Hogwarts are alive and they're kind of and it kind of explains it in the book but they're kind of a reflection of the person that they're a portrait of yeah, I mean, it makes more sense now that you say it, but off air, I said, yeah, you talk about the guy, the mirror guy, because <laughs> that's really <laughs> what I had for that. There's, he seems like he was important. Yeah, so uh, Dumbledore is like everybody, he was basically like everybody's favorite wizard. He was the headmaster for the first six books. Spoiler alert, he dies at the end of the sixth book. Um, But he there's a portrait of him because he's a former headmaster, and... That portrait is uh, kind of, they talk to him a few times. He's consulted slash like, you know, you know, people vent their emotions at him and stuff like that. So he does make an appearance. Dumbledore does make an appearance. Also, we do see, and then based on, and this is going to get a little bit confusing because of history being changed. We see different characters doing different things, but the, in the, in the, in the prime storyline, Professor McGonagall is now headmaster, headmistress. I guess it would be head headmistress. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we see her, Minerva. Minerva's big thing was that she was uh, she could she could uh, transmutate or whatever. She could change herself into like a cat, and she taught transmutation, I believe. Um, so she's in it. We do see Snape. Snape does show up at some point in the book, and that's something that's spoilery, so I don't want to say how or in what uh, what way he is show he appears, but Snape does show up, and it's actually a little bit it's a little bit touching. Like you thought that the end of of the Harry Potter books kind of was really touching with Snape, but like this goes even another step further. So, yeah, I rolled a tear for that. Yeah, and then clearly you see some people in the past, um, you know, from their time travel. So you see characters um, when they were younger um, that are that are in this book, but you see some people that are that are probably dead or gone or whatever happened to them. But yeah, there is a little bit of uh, of that in the time travel aspect. Like you see the um, um, the Diggory guy, what Cedric. Cedric you know, Diggory, like said, yep. he's been dead since whatever book four, you know, but he does um, appear and interact with these characters, um, you know, at some point because they're time traveling. So it's <laughs> the Cedric one. I thought he 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 his dialogue and his part in the book was pretty much I'm like, they wrote this to pretty much as good as Robert Pattinson could act. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it, he didn't seem very, yeah. And I didn't know if that was like his character, you know what I mean? Like right. his character in the original books, how reflective this was of, you know, an important but side character ultimately. Because yeah. he's not one of the, you know, kind of three heroes or whatever of, of the story. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what you have. They uh, they screw up time travel. And um, I'm not, this shouldn't spoil anything. But if you have a time travel device, you screw up time travel. What do you do? You go back and you screw it up worse. That's yeah. how it works. Like that's, I mean, it's so. basically like Back to the Future at Hogwarts. Um You would understand that reference if you'd ever seen if Back I'd to the Future. If I'd ever seen Back to the Future, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do get a trip to Godric's Hollow at one point as well, um, which I won't explain how that factors into the story itself. But Livius, Godric's Hollow is where Harry Potter's family was murdered mm-hmm. by Voldemort, mm-hmm. um, and that's how he became the boy who lived. Gotcha. Yeah, and then I, I, I got that. I actually got that from the book. Okay. Oddly enough, a lot of the things that Rob's explaining. Um, for the even the way it was written, kind of scripty with not a lot of, you know, dialogue explanation. It, it wasn't terribly difficult for me to get a picture of why this particular place was important. And kind of like I said before, when they'd reflect on a place, you know, so they'd mention that Godric's whatever hollow or whatever. Yep. I knew that you guys already knew about it, if that makes sense. Like it yep. was written in such a way and, and maybe because I've read a lot of books or, or whatever that I was like, oh yeah, everybody else knows what this is. And then they do a little bit of explanation and I felt like I had a a good enough grasp to understand what was happening, even if I didn't have an emotional attachment to right. a Snape like you did. I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember <laughs> that guy, but I'm like, and Rob's like, I shed a tear and I was like, ah, he didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't have that same emotional attachment to him, but I, I I know that he was from the original stories, and he was, again, albeit a side character, you know, uh, an important character to the to the fandom. So, good. Well, that's good to hear. Yep. Um, All right. So I, yeah. I, that's it. We're done. Story characters for the most part. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about some other things. So I'm gonna. I have like a lot of thoughts about this as a project. So first of all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's really cool that everybody gets um, a look at the future with the glimpses into the past. I, I think it's I think it's great. Um, but man, this felt like this felt like such a money grab. Wow, really? Well, and, and here's why. So you're going to put on a play. Hey, that's pretty cool, right? The play is going to make I don't know. I don't even mathematically like the fraction would be like one ten thousandth of what the these putting the script into a book form did. It was almost like they needed an excuse. Oh, dude, you know, this in like the first week it was out, it sold two million copies. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It felt like like a money grab. I know I'm not the I know there are a lot of Harry Potter fans that were disappointed um, just from stuff I saw early on about like, holy shit. You know, they put out a book and my God, it's a script for a play. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I when when I said, hey, we would do this. Yeah, I knew it was based on a play, but I thought we would almost get a novelization of the play. Oh, dude. Here's the thing, too, and I hope this doesn't derail your point. Um, The book that's out now is called the Special Rehearsal Edition Script. They've already said that they're going to come out with another version that's like the finalized version. Because basically, this is running as like a stage production right now. Mm-hmm. And this is the script that they started with, but that doesn't necessarily mean that aren't going to be changes by the time the production ends. So I think that there's going to be like a finalized version that comes out that may be different. It's going to sell another two million. Well, it'll sell another million copies because some people I think will have already felt a little burned. 
interesting though, right? Yeah, I mean, but that I think that more feeds into what I was saying about there being kind of a a money grab aspect to this. Like if you said, "Hey, we're going to do this play." I go, "Oh, you know, that's kind of cool. You know, they're going to put on this production and you know, it's probably going to run for a long time because people will continue to show up, you know, and you'll get you know, that was it Jefferson that's that's been running for a while now in New York. Is that what it's called? That weird musical Hamilton, play, Hamilton, whatever. Yeah. That, <laughs> that thing, you know, they'll run for a while, make some money. But then, like, you throw out this novelization, and you know, you know, millions of Harry Potter fans are going to run out. You bought the the hardcover, right? It's in my hand right now. Cost of hardcover? Uh, thirty bucks. Thirty dollars. No, I didn't granted. pay thirty dollars. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure because it's on the bestseller list, it's going to be forty five percent off basically yeah. everywhere. So whatever, fifteen, sixteen bucks from millions of people, which completely dwarfs what they could possibly pull in for the play. I and, and I hear you on this. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I think I actually have the first. It's a first edition. I don't know if it's the first printing though. Anyway. Looking at my inside coverage. I think I think the problem though is see, and that's another thing that happens, right? So I have probably two first printings of the Da Vinci Code, um, but it was released with so many copies so many in copies. the first printing. Yeah. yeah. So what's really valuable is when you look back at like early Stephen King. Yeah. When they were like, Rage. "Oh, we'll do a run. We'll do yeah. We'll do we'll do three thousand copies in a first printing." Yep. And hope that we sell them, and then it, it takes off, and then there's, you know, the 28th printing is out now, and that first one has value. You can get a first printing of a new Stephen King book, and it's absolutely worthless. And it's going to be absolutely worthless in 20 For years, because the first yeah. printing, yeah, is, is 30,000 copies or 100,000 copies or whatever, come, you know, so. So so let's have a, uh, let's look at a different perspective of your mm-hmm. money grab perspective. Yes. So let's, look, we're going to put you, Livius, in the shoes of, of J.K. Rowling now. You've mounted this play. This is the thing that's going to happen, and um, you've got you know you've got all these fans out there. And what's going to be the reaction if you're saying, okay, this new story that's new Harry Potter that's canon, and I know that matters a lot to you. You can only get this story if you go to England and visit this play. What are the fans going to do? Um, the fans are probably going to be a little angry, but let's flip it around. If you're really going to do a new Harry Potter story and the first seven Harry Potter books were actual books, fully produced, lots of thought <laughs> put into them. Well, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Basically, someone was like, hey, run off some copies of this script and let's throw a hardcover on there and see if we can get 20 bucks for it. I don't know if that's it, though. I think that, like, I think basically the idea is... You can you can see the play if you're in England and you you know I'm sure it's selling out every day because from what I understand the play is spectacular um, to to see um, but like for the people who can't see that let's just make it a book and we'll stay faithful to the story that was made as a script and that way everybody has access to this new story and. Part of me thought about that, and, and I, I thought the same thing. Like, what if my favorite thing in the whole world was only accessible <laughs> by, by you know, a $1,000 trip, and then probably, like you said, because it sold like a $500 ticket or something. Yeah. See, <clears throat> and then you said that, oh, hey, listen, though, there's probably going to be a revision that comes out that will also <laughs> be available, and now I'm totally sold on, and fuck these people. Money like, grabs, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I just think that in that situation... 
like, and I'm putting us in that situation because I'm mm-hmm. thinking, what would I do if that were me? Sure, yeah. yeah. And I would say, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want because no matter what, people are going to be upset. And that's also that's also very true. I'm also a little iffy too on uh, like it's a hardcover, and man, they're charging a fortune for like they're they're char- I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little. And again, and I'm not a fan, but I do know in the first thing I saw that week one that this book came out, the first things I saw were fans are upset. Because uh, it's a script, even though on the front, on the very oh, no, top no, of the I front, know, it says it's a script. I know, I know, but I think they were upset that it's just a script. I, I don't think, I mean, yeah, there are probably people who were, you know, felt duped because they didn't read the cover before they bought it. And I don't feel bad for those people at all. What I'm saying is people are like, oh, here's this thing. And it has it been, has it really, has it been 19 years since the last book? I honestly don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's been whatever, 15, 16 years, you know. It can't, you know, it's probably like 10 years since the actual last book came out. Okay. But you know what I mean? Kind yeah. of, I, I could see where the, the disappointment, and, and that would probably be me, disappointed and also buying whatever that is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is bullshit. This is all we get. Here's my 20 bucks. <laughs> like you know, so I I don't know I'm uh, it, it it's tough. You're right. You're right. There was the only solution to people not being happy was just not to do it. Right. So just be yeah. like you know we're we're not going to continue this on. Yeah. I, there's there's no satisfying everyone. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So here's the I want to make sure these are the books. I, I went to Wikipedia to find out when they were released. That can't be right. Yeah. I guess that's well. So here's the release schedule for the books. The first book came out in 97, then 98, then 99, 2000, 2003, 05, and 07. So it's been nine years since the last book came out. Nine years since the last one, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice treat for people who can swallow that it's it's a a smidgen kind of versus having something like... Like the new Star Wars movie came out and it's fully produced. And I'm just trying to think of something else that has the same size fandom, right? It's fully produced. You've got some throwbacks with the old characters. They tie into the story. You have appearances from a bunch of them. Uh, if you're unhappy with the story or whatever, fine, you know. But you, you got you got a full course. Here's 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 my thought though. Like, and I think this might get you more on my my side of things. Harry Potter books are like six, seven hundred pages usually. And they read like fantasy a little bit, so like there's a lot of that fluff. And this book is a a, a trim three hundred three hundred eight pages in script format, so like really you're looking at a good hundred eighty to two hundred page read, like comparison to a normal book, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the right size for this story, man. Like I think it's a like if every Harry Potter book were slimmed down like this, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need a six hundred page book to t- to fucking tell these stories. So no, and I know no. I'm just playing like devil's advocate now, yeah. but like I don't know. I'm I'm with you on this though. I think the story was told um just fine. Like I said, you know, for a lot of people they didn't need the description. If you're trying to catch new fans, then yeah, not explaining any of you know what I mean, any of this yeah. stuff is a little tough, right? Um I think you're right. I think the story was told in exactly the amount of space it, it, it took. Um quite honestly, I think that it deserved a little more space because it was a really big story. I mean, not the, the actions were told in the right amount of time. There wasn't a lot of fluff. Yeah, it's a big story though. I think it almost deserved more time, based on how how big of a story it is. If that makes sense, Stephen King during the Dark Tower series. And I'm gonna screw this up, but um, it came out with another book after it was over. But it was a book about 
that was the main character telling a story about this other incident. It wasn't a big story because it was a side story being told, yeah. if that makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? So that one, if it went on for 500 pages, was too long because it wasn't an important story. This was an important story. This kind of closes out some things for, yeah. for the fandom. And it almost deserved more space because of the size of the actual tale. Well, you especially know? considering, did you see the article that said that there will be no more Harry Potter? Like, J.K. Uh, Rowling, I, I is, she explicitly said that this is not opening a door to a new generation of Harry Potter. This is this is the last story we're telling. Well, that's, that's um, we'll, we'll see if that holds true. <laughs> Ten years from now, we'll see if there's another Harry Potter. Now, did I read somewhere, though, that she is working on something that takes place in that world? Though, am I mistaken? Uh, well, there's the movie, the Fantastic Creatures thing. That's what it is, a movie, yep. But that's based on a, on a book that already exists. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. book came out as kind of like a side book uh, in the Harry Potter series, like, one during one of the well one of the first few books was released so gotcha okay um, it's just the first time anybody's approaching that material as as a book but now she's also got the website pottermore which has so much material that takes place outside of the books i haven't really explored pottermore too much because i don't i'm not a fanboy about this stuff mm -hmm. but like original short stories and um like hogwarts is the wizarding school for england but like She's got 11 different named wizarding schools around the world. So, like, she oh. has, like, a larger world that's built mm -hmm. uh, around this kind of Harry Potter world. And there's a lot of information that takes place in that website that doesn't ha actually have a book that it's tied to. So, who knows, man? Like, she could just license that stuff out and start having other authors build on that world. That's yeah, I, if I were sell, her. She's going to sell it to Disney, yeah. Man, if I were her, that's a cash cow. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she needs any more cash. I mean, I think you get, I don't know. There are people who are like that. I always think to myself, if I had her kind of money, like there would, I would, I wouldn't do anything that even remotely resembled work anymore. Why bother? <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, Dude, if you had like a percent of her money. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. A fairly small percent of her money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's really what I've got. I, I have, I have some mixed feelings. Um, part of me is, is very um, happy um, for for you guys, when I say you guys, I mean people who are big fans of of the books and I, I guess the movies, but whatever. Movie fans are a different are a yeah. different thing, I guess. For for the readers, um, it's very exciting for you to see um, the future and potential alternate futures. Yeah. Um, along with revisiting your your favorite characters and in some cases in the time frame of those books, so I, I think that was really cool. I don't know. I just I, I felt like. For a return to Harry Potter, a script was really underwhelming. The story itself, and, and this will probably serve as part of my wrap up. The story itself was 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 it was good for for what it is. From what I gather, the Harry Potter books are. I, I thought the story was well told. I could see where it was touching in, in one particular aspect um, that I'm not going to to disclose, at least not on non spoiler talk. Um, and how nice it was to see the future generation or, or whatever. But then again, like I said, part of it goes back to like, you know, this was kind of a, you know, I don't want to say a hoax, <laughs> but kind of almost hoaxy in, in how they were going to get a bunch of your money uh, twice now, apparently, because I did not know there was going to be a further 
it's going to be interesting to see. We'll have to remind you to talk about that if that ever hits. We need to kind of address that if, yeah. it, if, it, oh, if yeah. it does it'll, happen. Oh, yeah, it'll come up for sure. So, yeah. So is that your wrap-up? Do you have any other final yeah, thoughts before I'm gonna, you give it a star? Um, no, no. I mean, um, I, I guess, yeah, I guess I, it, we'll let that serve as my wrap-up. Do I have any other thoughts? Um, the characters, although, you know, fairly simple, were, were likable characters. Um, they handle the time travel aspect um, in an interesting way that I'm not going to, again, talk about because it's spoilery, but... I thought the way they were able to time travel and what those limitations were kind of made for an interesting dynamic um, that was uh, maybe a little different than a lot of other things, although not completely unique. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any. Here, here's the here's here's my final wrap up. <laughs> I didn't have any major problems with the book, but there was not like I feel like I was very indifferent to it. There was nothing wrong with it. But there was nothing that really grabbed me either. So I'm going to fall squarely in the middle, and I'll give it three stars, and I'll be done talking about it. Wow. It was way more stars than I expected you to give it. I'm excited about that. <laughs> it's okay. You um, understand what I'm saying? I didn't yeah. hate it. I yeah. just didn't really like it. I just didn't feel anything. Like, I read a story, and it was, it was okay. So. Um, I'll do a wrap-up really quick. Having read the uh, books and seen the movies... I think this feels very at home and comfy, um, but it does a it does a very interesting thing. So, the original seven books were very much good versus bad, black you know black versus white, whatever you want to say. Like it's a very good versus evil um, story, and this takes an entirely different there's still a kind of a good versus evil thing but it, it digs deeper into like well you know how are people affected by all the big things that happened and you know things like that so it's kind of more of a study of the impact on the littler people or the impact on um the people that weren't center stage and how those people can become you know can find their own greatness which i thought was very cool it starts out really dark. And the Harry Potter books, like book one, was definitely a children's book. It was all about discovering and finding friends and learning about, you know, this magical world. And as you went on, the books got darker and darker as the kids grew up and they faced more of the realities of, of the world and everything. This one started out with you're back to a kid who at the beginning of the book is like 11 years old. But he doesn't have that magical wonder and, you know, his eyes are being opened by the potential of the universe. His life sucks. And you get that darkness from day one. And you get to see how a kid who just hates everything has to kind of go through the same experience on an entirely different path. So it was a really cool analysis of how things could be different, which I thought was great. Um, I think, obviously, anybody would benefit from knowing all of those other stories to get what the book was really trying to do in a deeper way. Um, and that's why I thought it was great. The script thing didn't bother me at all. It's a fast read. And I think, especially this, since this is a one-off and it doesn't sound like it's going to be starting a whole new adventure, I think it reads you know, at the pace and the size that the story deserves. If this were starting off an entirely new series, I would say that it was way too fast-paced. But because it seems like it's kind of just a one-time thing, pretty much perfect. The writing was great. The characters 
the the fact that they twisted some of the relationship things from the original stories by you know putting a Potter with a Malfoy and them being best friends and the you know when the when they weren't working together things were worse like that whole thing was great it was just kind of I think it was fan service in a different way and it was like hey look it's not always just like a Potter versus a Malfoy like you can do other things all in all I thought that um, for what the story was it was very good it was very entertaining it was a fast read and it was very satisfying and I had a couple emotional moments the end is really kind of you know not sad but you know very emotional ending and um, they wrapped it all up well I thought it was great of course you're probably not surprised by this I'm giving it five stars can we talk about one of the words or one of the statements you made fan service yeah um <laughs> uh oh <laughs> <laughs> fan service I think I'm, I'm googling so give me a second Pretty sure the fan service, when you're um, at least referring to anime, means. Um, uh, oh no, I guess not. The technical term is pretty much what you said. Um, fan service typically refers to like nudity or like sexy stuff <laughs> in like anime. Yeah, I was not all right. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> if 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 a, if a, if like you see an anime character's panties, that's fan service. Done. That's yeah. Dude, I think you need to come back to the United States. <laughs> no, I'm in I'm in the United States. I'm I'm squarely here in the United States. Like <laughs> I want to like screenshot like the Wikipedia fan service page just to show you what the picture is. It's a girl in a bikini. And it says a character wearing a bathing suit is typical fan service. This is the Wikipedia page for the word fan service. <laughs> so, so am I misusing the term? No, no, I guess you're not. But I'm just saying tip, when I heard it, I was like, no, no, I don't think there was any nudity or, or <laughs> chicks wearing bikinis in this. It was the first thing that uh, came to mind because of how I know the word fan service. So, um, Oh, it, can I, I it, only had two quotes and I, I know we kind of missed quotes. Can I just do these two quotes? Please. I'm going to uh, I'm going to do two. One I really um, loved. I'm going to do that second, so we can leave on a good note. Um, <laughs> I can't even read this. It's the station master in Act Four. <laughs> okay. If you're waiting on the old recce train, you'll need taken. It's it's fucking what's his name? It's it's that Scottish writer. Yeah. yeah, it's Irvine Welsh in the Harry Potter world. So I was <laughs> granted it was in Act Four, so I was like, eh, nice. Act four redeems itself um, in uh, in that Scorpius is um, enamored by a young lady at Hogwarts. I'm not going to say too much about this, but um, something happens and, and Albus tells him that this girl was uh, said something to him out of pity. And, and Scorpius, my favorite line in the whole book, says, pity is a start, my friend, a foundation on which to build a palace, a palace of love. That was my favorite line in the whole book. I'm sure Rob has like a million others that harken back to Harry and <laughs> and the good old days. But that I thought was, I was like, oh, I like that. You know, maybe I have quotes. <laughs> we were talking before the episode started and I can't find on my <laughs> iPad the book that I read. It's just gone and I, I can't explain it. Um, I know I highlighted some stuff, but I went into the different applications that I read books from. None of them have it anywhere. It's just lost to the ages. So the highlights that I made are gone forever. It's well, I believe sad. that you read it because you knew enough stuff about it. Because that was my first thought. Did you even read this book? That's the way I read this <laughs> on my own. <laughs> so. That would be a fun if I just showed up having not read the book at all. Mm -hmm. 
All right, not a lot else this week. Um, we are going to kind of future cast a little bit and maybe be vague about some things. But here are some of the things that are coming up. Um, we are going to be reviewing, I believe, all three of S.G. Brown's um, novella releases, short stories, Kindle singles that are coming yeah. out. Um, and we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks. So you've got time to probably grab well the first one for sure because that comes out this week. Which one is that, Rob? Remedial English for Reanimated Corpses drops August 15th, which is the day after we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So the day before we're recording this? Today's the 14th, so... So tomorrow's the, tomorrow's the 15th, so yes. yes. <laughs> so I said it right. You said it was the day it drops the I day before it, we're recording this. I said the day after. No, I don't think... Yeah, whatever, either way. Well, either way. I'm going to edit it so it's... <laughs> By the, time, yeah, by the time you hear this, that'll be out. <laughs> so if you want to follow along with uh, what I'm guessing is going to be a mini review since it's a Kindle single, you can do that. Um, but he's got two other ones coming out this month. So go ahead and pre-order those. Chances are you will have read one, maybe two by the time we do our review. Um, and then uh, the third one, um, hopefully we'll be able to sneak in there with an early copy. Um, so yeah. that'll be coming up. Yeah. So the other two stories, just because I want you to hear them. Dr. Sinister's Home for Retired Villains drops on August 22nd. And Scattered Showers with a Chance of Daikaiju drops one week later, August 29th. So it's every week, starting tomorrow, there will be a new S.G. Brown single for 99 cents. How could you avoid that? What a deal. Next episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't know how much I'll say about next episode because a lot of things have to fall into place for it to be the right thing. So here's what it's going to be. I said earlier it's going to be a kind of review. So, you know, a while back we did a thing where we had David James Keaton come on and review his own book with us. And we're kind of going to be doing the same thing again. Um, The book in question is uh, called I Can Taste the Blood, um, which is written by five different people. So as it stands, we are going to have some kind of weird review spectacular with a lot more people than we normally have and likely a lot more people than we ever have. We're not sure how we're going to format any of this. It's not going to be a review where Rob and I just talk about (laughs) stories and whatever. There are going to be other participants um, far, far bigger than we've ever gone before. This is really... Yeah, it's a departure from our normal style. And basically someone said, why don't we do this? I, this harkens back to the Warmed and Bound days where Pelavia said, here, interview 18 people. And we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, except for this is all going to happen in one episode. So. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there are five authors in this. Uh, it's Each one wrote a novella with the title, I Can Taste the Blood. That was kind of the theme of it. And um looks like uh, Josh Mallerman, John F.D. Taff, Eric T. Johnson, J. Daniel Stone, and Joe Schwartz. So possibly we might be talking to all those guys at the same time. We'll see what happens. We promise one hot mess of an episode, regardless of how it goes down. we got to tell you it's going to be um, nonsensical, and you probably won't be able to understand anything that's being said at any given time. <laughs> assuming we can even make seven people um, be on some kind of call at one time. So really looking forward to that because it should be um, crazy and fun, if if not anything else. So then we'll have uh, the S.G. Brown stuff coming up. Uh, we have another book in the works. It's a little bit of a reprint for the U.S. Not sure where we're at with that yet, but we let me put it to you this way. We believe we have our next four episodes or so lined up if yeah. everything goes according to plan. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's all exciting. There's stuff uh, that we haven't. We're, we're trying to get more authors. I think we're trying to talk to more authors again because that hasn't happened nearly enough in the last year or so. Well, if we're going to talk to more next week than we have this year, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a lot of stuff coming up, and um, hopefully we're going to under-promise a little bit and deliver more than we were expecting to. Um, but at the very least, you're going to get a bunch of books and probably hear us talking to some authors for sure. Yep. Um, we've got something else exciting in the works that we're very hesitant to talk about because we're <laughs> still not sure. Um, we're just going to say that we we are working on having someone um, on the show with us to talk about another podcast. Yeah, it's a it's a big podcast, so we're pretty excited um, to have this happen. Um, but we're not going to throw too much out there. I, I will tell you that in the next episode, we'll we'll, we'll probably let you know if it's if it's a done deal. Yeah. Or not. We'll, yeah, if we sound really sad on the next episode, it's because mm-hmm. we got some bad news. But it's because we been... have five. It's because we have five other authors. I don't know. Really, I don't know what to, <laughs> to do with any of this. Um, yeah, so uh, we're. I'm really excited about what's coming up. I hope, Olivius, that you are as well. Very much. Um, so. But I think we can put. We did a Harry Potter review, man. That is, uh, it's a big deal. I got to be honest with you. I thought that was something I would never have to do. <laughs> well, you didn't have to do it. No, I'm just saying. I, I thought they were done. So you know what I mean. Yeah. I was like, you yeah, never there's no would. Chance. Yeah, I to, yeah, I have to do this. Yeah. So uh, yep, yeah, never say never. That's right. I can't wait for the Cursed Child book. I mean, movie. Oh God. Uh, oh, oh, hold on a second. Something else coming up for you um, in early September. It's probably going to drop as like a bonus oh, episode. Oh, yeah. A movie review. I forgot. There, were, there was something else we're excited about. Rob and I, on September 1st, are going to go see the Fathom Events one-night special screening of 31, the Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. So expect there to be something that might be a YouTube thing. It might just be a quick, you know, whatever, 20 minute podcast. I don't know. But we'll we'll do something that, that you guys will be able to hear uh, a little preview slash review of 31. So that's really exciting. Can I tell you, did I tell you about the, the weird dreams I had? No, please do. So uh, the day that Livius confirmed we had tickets to the show, I watched the trailer for 31 a few times, you know, just so I could kind of really get an idea of what was going to be coming at me. And then that night while I was sleeping, I had like some of the most disturbing dreams I've ever had in my life where like I was abducted and, um, the abductors were basically like the typical Rob zombie people, you know, and they were gonna torture me and they had started to, but then they made me torture other people. It was really disturbing, man. Like, there was some really messed up things happening in that dream. You did not tell me that. That's kind of interesting. I will say that I've watched that trailer twice. And really, if I was describing that trailer to somebody, I would say House of a Thousand Corpses with Carnies. Yeah. I love explaining what the... Because, like, it's carnival people abducted by clowns and forced to, like, survive what's basically like a murder obstacle course, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It sounds so amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we, we have tickets. Um, we'll be seeing the 7 o'clock show that night um, here locally in the northern suburbs. Um, really excited. But, yeah, we'll definitely have something for you guys. It might just be a, a YouTube video. It, it might just be a quick podcast or something. But look for it. I'm assuming that week. I'm assuming the week of the first you'll probably get that. So Yeah, um, pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm excited about that, too. There's lots of good stuff coming up. 
Yeah. Our cup overfloweth. Yep. Runneth over. Um, that's it. That's it for tonight. Um, uh, and Rob, do you have anything else? I have absolutely nothing. All right. In that case, <laughs> I'm Livius Nedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs>